Hello and welcome back to the Bored to Death Binge Cast, where we talk TV shows and movies in easily digestible chunks. I am Jay Winger, being joined by Chris, and we are finishing up, or about to finish up, with the next two binge binges in the near future. Mobile Suit Gundam. It's been a few weeks for all of us, and especially for you, the our listening audience. Um, one of these days, we'll make a schedule and follow this. <laughs> yeah, we just ba- we just basically uh, do stuff whenever it comes to whenever it comes around. Well, it also depends on work schedules. Work schedules, yeah. I don't get a weekend off, unlike you two. You work in a food in the food service industry, which yeah, weekends are always going to be busiest for you. Yeah. Uh, just, Zeke, go, just go work at uh, Chick Fil A. You have Sunday off constantly. I worked it. You know I'm not that. <laughs> um, Zeke works in retail, which is, sort of falls in the same boat. Um, but regardless, uh, we are uh, looking forward to finally being able to wrap up uh, wrap up Gundam. Zeke's finally caught up after the episodes he accidentally slept through last time we did this. Yeah, yeah. and you're hopefully more alert this time. Ah, I've got plenty more energy. All right, so. Um, let me see, consult my notes. <laughs> I should have done this before we actually started recording, but I jumped the gun a bit. Well, uh, let's see, they picked up a new crew member. Who's a douchebag. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, they, they fought two more mobile armors since they went back into space. One of them was... Yeah, it was Slager, that's right. Yeah, one of the, mo- one of the mobile... Slager, yeah. One of the mobile armors was one that Char didn't know about, and he's like, well, if I didn't know about it, I don't really care about it, and the damn thing was a prototype anyway, so I don't care if it got destroyed. I'm a little pissed off that the pilot stole it, though. Um, and uh, now they're heading off to the uh, colony that Mira Yashima is from, and that's where uh, her f- fiancé and Amro's dad are at. But none of them really know that, except for Mirai, who knows that that's where he is at. Amro, on the other hand, no clue that his dad's there. Spoilers! You clearly weren't paying attention to the, uh... The stinger? Episode, the episode stinger, yeah. Yeah, it showed his dad in that. God. I know he was in, what, the first episode and that was it. And everybody sort of assumed that he didn't make it out of, uh, well, make it out of there alive. Well, he got sucked into space in a, while he was wearing a, a, a space suit, so... Yeah, but, you know, getting sucked into space is no guarantee of actual survival. No. You know, I wonder if there was that movie Gravity, after all, where that was a very real possibility. Oh, God. I do wonder if they have survivor in their own feces if they're lost in space. Um, I would assume that the thing that would probably be the most of most concern is air. So they would probably run out of air before they'd be forced to start eating their own shit. Honestly, I think that'd be a little hard to do in a spacesuit. You know, when you start disrobing, you're going to freeze to, literally freeze to death. So, uh, yeah, that uh, I think about uh, sums it up. So, yeah, they're about to go to side six, I believe. Yes. Uh, which is neutral in the whole conflict. Yeah, they, they basically said we are not taking a side, uh, either Federation or Zeon. That always ends well. Yeah, because you'll see that prominently throughout the Universal Century. Well, I mean, it worked okay for Switzerland. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Uh, so, yeah, that about wraps up this uh, little intro, so let's get to the binge, and we'll be back momentarily. Thanks for listening to the Bored to Death Binge Cast. You can contact us on social media, on Facebook or Twitter at BTD underscore BingeCast, or email us at binge.cast at outlook.com. We are part of the CKCC Radio podcast community. Go ahead and check out our fellow podcasts, like The Nerd Table, Jay Bunny's Music Hub, Ranking Tracks, The Stupid Sexy Podcast, Real Paranormal Talk, The Race Nerd Podcast, Motivational Moves, and Club Kayfabe Wrestle Talk. CKCC Radio can be found through your podcast streaming platform of choice Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and our home on Podbean. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. Shoot us a comment if you want to. Thanks again for listening. And now, the binge is done. So let's get to the discussion. And we're back, uh, concluding the second-to-last binge of Mobile Suit Gundam. We got six more episodes left, you said. Yes, uh, we did uh, episodes 32 through 36. Mm-hmm. So we started with a farewell with uh, Farewell Inside Six, 
and ended with the duel in Texas. The duel in Texas. Uh, one thing I'll just get out of the way as long as that one's fresh. You commented on it while we were watching the episode, Chris. Really good animation quality in that yeah, episode. Because, uh, like, uh, when I was still doing, you know, re- more research on the show, mm-hmm. actually before we started doing the binge, um, was that the show got started in 79, mm-hmm. but it ended in 1980, in April of 1980. Right. Um, so I was like, well, I know that in terms of, like, animation quality, uh, did the, does the animation uh, change... Because of the change in decade. Yeah, and you commented that it seemed like the animation quality got better. Uh, But I don't know that it would necessarily, because just because it ticked from 79 to 80, that that triggered like an instant uptick. But it's just sort of like, as the animation team got more used to the character designs and everything, I feel like... The animation was tapped into the new type abilities? Yes. <laughs> that Okay, that's the thing we should probably talk about in this as well. You guys have mentioned it on previous binges of the new types. Uh, still haven't really delved into what those are. The series hasn't even really covered what they are yet. Uh, they just dropped hints at them um, and it's basically implied that they're like psychics. They're basically like psychics. Like if you notice, um, Amuro is able to predict uh, the enemy when his enemy is going to uh, attack or, or where they're going to be. Or he sends uh, new types. Also sends the presence of other new types. Um, we, saw, we saw that a bit in a couple of the episodes here with the new character of Lala when uh, she and Amuro start. Sensing yeah. one another, I, refer, I refer to it in the moment as "I can sense you, Highlander." It, it, well, it could also be like that, or in the case of, um, like in Star Wars, uh, the Jedi, I felt the a Sith. presence I've not felt since yeah. <laughs> two, two episodes ago. ago. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, and I was referring to Amro's like no scoping, <laughs> you know, like um, aimbot well, abilities thing, is like, uh, as him pulling a Jedi, pulling a Jedi. Well, one thing that you're going to notice, and they do, this is brought up in the show, is that it gets to the point to where Amuro realizes that his own reflexes are too fast for the Gundam. Like, he moves faster than what the Gundam is, and he's, and he actually brings up, like, the Gundam is moving too slow for me. Mm. Um... And they do resolve that. I'm not going to say how, but they go about and they do resolve That's that. always going to be a, a case when it comes to uh, machines can't always do, can't fully replace a human because of things like that. Reaction uh, times and, and stuff like that. And another thing that was... That there's limitations to the technology that they can only it, move so fast. Exactly. Now, there was, now, the thing that you also need to realize is the Gundam itself is a prototype. So, technically, it was not supposed to last this long. Mm-hmm. And, um, if, and, well, yeah, especially considering other prototype mobile suits that we've seen in the series that get destroyed, like, oh, the first time that they're deployed, like the Big Zom. Well, the Big Zom was a mobile armor, and they're all... Oh, same case, same yeah. difference, you know, really. Oh, come on, what about the guy that shoots the little thing on the side, like, I can shoot from far away to distract you. Oh, that was a prototype. We didn't need it anyways. In the very first episode. Oh, yeah, that's oh, yeah that, yeah. And then, uh, what was it? I remember in, uh, I th- the original plan was, in the show was, Amro was supposed to get a new Gundam, uh, about, I think around the halfway, either the halfway point or about, like, the point to where, like, after they get into space, uh, and he was supposed to get the, uh, the Gundam G3, which was, actually had the original Gundam colors that Yoshiyuki Tamino wanted, which was more like a gunmetal gray to it. Hence, probably gun. Uh, and well, yeah, he didn't yeah, want anyway. the red, white, blue, and gold look. Um, and uh, that was the suit that Armor was supposed to get, and it was supposed to uh, be uh, able to move about as fast as what his reflexes were letting him in the original uh, Gundam that he has. Yep. Um, now, onward back to the show. Yeah. Um, well, a. The first couple episodes of the five that we watched dealt a lot with side six, which... Farewell and side six, the end of April encounter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and side six is neutral in the Earth Federation versus uh, Zeon war. You know, they're basically trying to be like Switzerland. I was thinking that. Um, 
and to the point where when White Base arrives in Side 6 territory, uh, Side 6, like, technicians or whatever, or diplomats, essentially, come come around and essentially, like, duct tape the weapon ports shut. They, they, they're, they, they're, they're peace binding them, basically. They, yeah, well, they don't really duct tape them. They put these, like, red piece, these big red pieces of tape over them, and they say, and they tell them, if these are broken, you're going to get a heavy fine. Yeah. Um... Which is which I just find amusing. It's just sort of like if they decide to deploy their weapons against you, yeah, I don't think they're gonna. They're worried about impo- getting a fine, but uh, like the fact that they must have some major big fines because the bad guys of the group are like, yeah, we're not. We're wait to the outside the board before we. Attack. Well, it's just you know, it just sort of brings to mind. You know, you know why nobody messed with the Swiss during World War Two? Because that's where the Nazis put all their money. <laughs> <laughs> well, Zion wasn't putting any money inside six. Yeah, and Shar even basically said this much to Mr. Cameron in uh, one of the later episodes when the Zanzibar docked there. He was he basically, and you know, Cameron's like, "We don't want you to be here for very long." And he just like, "Side six only still exists because Zion basically hasn't decided to destroy you." Yeah, because the colony that was seen, that was dropped on Australia, mm-hmm. uh, that we kept seeing over and over again in the first few episodes, yeah. that was one of the first neutral colonies that refused to take a, a side in the war, and so Zeon was just like, oh, alright, cool. Uh, Zeon was like, oh, you don't want to take sides. Okay, here's what we do to cowards. <laughs> we put them on a rocket, and we fire them, that's away. Yeah. Oh, they did a lot more than that. But and ta- I'm not and talking of the, the colonies, we got a little bit of the science stuff in. Uh, yeah, the mid, like the like uh, midway the, point of uh, episode thirty-two, we got a little bit of science about it. Yeah, the uh, the middle section of like the cylinder mm-hmm. in like the middle. Uh, that's where like the least zero amount, g. Yeah. yeah, there's like next to no gravity there, so like you would literally just float through there. Uh, which we actually do see later on in one of the... They, they show it a lot more in the later episodes. Well, not in the later episodes, in, the, in some of the later shows. Uh, that, well, okay. But uh, I was just... I literally only have this series to I go know. off of, so... Um, but, uh, but, yeah, there's that, and it's saying, like, oh, is this elevator is going down... How many meters did it say that it was? I don't like, know that they... I don't remember what they said. I didn't make a note of that, but, yeah. You ra- ride an elevator down, basically, to the outer ring... Which is rotating, which provides artificial gravity, mm-hmm. and that's where everything is—you know, forests, towns, cities, etc., etc., etc.—which mm-hmm. we see prominently in like the majority of the colonies. One thing I wonder about this, with me being afraid of heights, showing that, I wonder how I would react being on a space colony. It looks like Earth. We would probably have to sedate you, getting you off okay. the ground and into space. Well, <laughs> no, no, okay. Worry about that part. Once I land there, and I look at the stars, so I go. That's cool. Or do I go, ah! Okay, well, let me ask you this. Are you looking up at the stars, or are you looking down? Ooh, good call. Because if you're looking up at them, I think you'd probably be okay. Because but if you were looking down and see, and, see, and see stars, I would imagine that's where, that's where your phobia would probably kick Or in. you could just pretend you're looking at a reflection. My imagination ain't that good, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, one of the things that we also... S- saw when they were at side six is Amro met up with his father. Um, who yeah. ain't right in the head no more. Um, yeah, because <laughs> if we go back to the very first episode when the colony that they were in uh, had a hole blown into it, his dad and a few other officers got sucked out into space. Mind you, they were all wearing spacesuits. So Amro is listening to his dad basically ramble for, well first off not give a shit about the fact that his son is standing right in front of him yeah he yeah when Amaro sees him he goes chasing after a bus manages to keep up with it uh before you know when he's like he's like dad and his father's just like hello oh, hi Amaro oh hi Amaro and I'm just like what a fucking dick uh, and so they they go to where his dad is essentially living which, which is, is in a, it's, it's in a junkyard. Which in his dad's profession, I can understand. The He's an engineer. Point. It makes yeah. sense. Um, so I you know it's I I cracked wise when when we saw it, but at the same time, I was thinking it makes sense for an engineer. You have a lot of spare parts to well, play like with. the Zaku head that we saw sitting there. Exactly. So he they go in there and he gets Amuro this part a like module this, a module has. that's supposed to go inside the the uh, the Gundam's head to basically help it fight against Zaku's and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, oh, I took this from 
parts of uh, Zaku and put this together. And meanwhile, Amuro in his head is going, "This is a piece of junk." Because we, as we learned in those early episodes and episodes since, Amuro's a brilliant engineer. I mean, well, yeah, he built Haro. Yeah. Well, but not only that, he basically studies all this stuff about about the Gundam and knows basically more about its inner workings than just about anybody. Oh, yeah. As, even his father at this point, because his father's, you know, brain damaged. I think he's brain damaged in episode one. He's like, bring the Gundam that way! Forget the humans! The Gundam that way! Yeah. <laughs> you gotta protect the prototypes. Yep. Um, but yeah, Gun- uh, Amuro basically comes to the conclusion that his father must have suffered brain damage while he was... Adrift in space before he got picked up, because you know, spacesuits only have so much oxygen. <laughs> well, plus, who knows how long he was out there before? He Obviously, he wasn't out there long enough to get to die, but long enough for oxygen deprivation to yeah. kill some brain cells. Um, so now his father is a rambling, cackling lunatic. That's one thing. I like they said, I think it was in the episode of the. The big zoom, big zoom, big, big, big zoom, zoom. big zoom. When they when they're grabbing the 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 rescue people, it's like oh, oh when the zakus were towing the soldiers. Well, no, not, not towing the soldiers. Oh, when, when the when the when the was rescuing the princess and something. Yeah, when Z, when the Zeon officer was talking so to like, Kube. The reason why we fight in space is because it brings brings our people hope that they'll be found. That's why we're not leaving people behind. Yeah, that was that was a thing that had to get uh, that had to be explained to Makube, who prior to now had basically been conf- confined to Earth. He didn't have much of the spacer mentality, no. and this officer basically explains to him: our men expect that we, if they are, they need rescue, that they'll get picked up, you know, and that they have that hope. Otherwise, they won't fight as effectively you know, without that trust. Uh, because Makuve was basically like, leave leave that uh, evac rocket alone. We need to get to the battle. And his officer's like, dude, no. <laughs> <laughs> I bring that up because I wonder if the Federation did the exact same thing. That's why they were able to find the dad. Or Probably. I would assume a-, a lot of space forces have that same mentality. There was, I've read a lot about, uh, like during World War One. And I think in World War Two uh, that the air pilots, there was a lot of respect among them and that there was an unspoken rule. You don't shoot down a plane that's already in the midst of crashing. You don't open fire on, you don't open fire on parachutes, you know, and similar things like that. There was that code of honor. You know, among among the see, pilots. I, see, see, I heard that that's how the Red Baron died. Was after he landed uh, or crash landed, he got up, got out of his plane, and the enemy pilot saw him and open fire on him. I can't say for certain whether that was true or not, but um, um, now while he's looking that up, um, <laughs> now Amuro after he leaves his well, first off he brings up to his dad like, "Hey, I saw mom," and his dad was completely oblivious to that, and so he's like. Aren't you worried about mom? And he's just like, don't worry, son. After the war is over, we'll make a trip to Earth. And it's like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> like, you're not even concerned. Granted, yes, I understand that technically Amaro's mom is his dad's ex-wife. They are no longer together, right? They have been divorced for God knows how long at this point. Um, and Tem essentially dragged Amaro to the colonies with him. And so... Um, after Amor leaves his dad's house and runs out, he's he just he, he he takes off running, and he gets so pissed off that he takes this hunk of Piece junk, of that, junk yeah. that he takes this hunk of junk that his dad gave him and slammed it into the streets. Um, it skipped a few bounces. Yeah. Oh yeah, it skipped and then shattered, um, and. Then Amuro eventually goes back to the white base, gets reprimanded because uh, Brad was like, oh, it's because of you that we're running late. He's like, all right, I'm sorry, we'll do it again. Um, and meanwhile, uh, fast forward to the next battle in space uh, when uh, white base, um, Brad is told uh, by this guy who has a floating dock that's at like the essentially the border of Site 6's uh, space. Uh, they go out there. And as they're getting up, getting there, they get ambushed by Zeon, yeah. by another uh, Zeon captain named Conscon, and he's trying to embarrass Char. 
like so many uh, Xeon officers are trying to do. <laughs> I, I commented on this while we were watching. It's just like, everyone who tries to humiliate Shar ends up dying. <laughs> the embarrassing of the Shar means you're a red shirt. Yes. And this is a guy who wears red. <laughs> well, we're using red shirt in the Star Trek term. Then. Yeah. <laughs> well, Scott, it's like the Scotty meme, Laddie. You're seeing the one red shirt who never died. <laughs> um... So, uh, mind you, the guy's floating repair dock gets damaged by Zeon. Yeah, uh, Bergamino. Yeah, and the guy is sitting there getting like, all... My, sh my, my dock! Now, no! Fly away from my base! It's getting destroyed! It's my livelihood! Now, Konskon is sitting there, he's just like, oh, wait, I know who owns this thing. Ah, fire! <laughs> <laughs> That's... Well, it's because Bergamino is a war profiteer, essentially. Clearly! Or, no, I mean, was he it? was a fat bastard. We saw him standing on the bridge, you know, wearing that nice suit. He's fat. He's smoking a cigar. I'm just like, you're you're an you're, asshole. You're an asshole. Uh, I mean, he didn't really come across as too much of one. Just a guy really concerned about his profits, but not really too much of a scumbag. But then, I guess you could go off of Konskan's uh, uh, impression of him that Maybe he is a bit of a scumbag when he gets down to it, but in that moment, I didn't really see too much of it. Um, and uh, Amuro goes out and destroys all of the uh, the Rick Doms, which with his jet with his new Jedi powers. <laughs> and it, what was it? He destroyed like no, the six of them came out, mm. but he also had Sailor's assistance and G and the G armor. Yeah, but he was still already starting to get starting to anticipate. Yeah, because he's stuff. he's like, I know where they're going to be. And you have like three Rickdown pals that are trying to be the Black Tri-Stars, but they aren't. Yeah. And they're like, hey, let's do that maneuver that we like to do, which is where it's like one flies in front of the Gundam, and then another one flies It's like crisscross, crisscross. And, cross, 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 and kind of thing. Uh, uh, after doing that a few times, one fires from a distance, but none of the shots actually hit the Gundam. Yeah, because he's just moving out of the way of all of them, because... You know, he can see the code. <laughs> dodge a missile, you can dodge a ball. Yeah. Um, it's a big ball. Yep. Um, well, they do have Gundam balls here. Well, they're just called balls. And what's yeah. funny is those things... <laughs> those are not Gundams, those are just mobile suits. <laughs> it's that one that I have sitting on my TV that you gave me. <laughs> hey! Um, but, um... Uh, he, Amuro... Uh, goes and it's not that battle i think it was the next one after that the battle, they go back. Sol battle of solomon no no it's not no 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 this is still on side six. Oh, they go back into side six because they were just like well we got ambushed so we can't really leave just yet um and then when they finally do leave constant is still waiting there sends like seven more rick doms after him and then almost but, but but here's the thing he sends them after after them to basically Follow and pursue. It's like, but don't open fire until you cross the border. I want to know what the punishment was of crossing fi firing that place. Do they have like some kind of dark secret, or maybe they blackmail everybody who comes in there? No, they probably so, say we control your gold supply. <laughs> they, you, the moment you walk in, they we have your, Nazi gold. <laughs> the moment you go in the area space, they can hack into your Wi-Fi and see all your bad photos in your phone. So they're Russia. Yes. <laughs> Here's our here's the build for firing our airspace. Um, yeah, they never really go into full detail yeah. what the actual consequences are. All that Char, Char says is that there's a hefty fine. Yeah, but you know, Char also made it clear that Zeon doesn't really. Zeon's like, you piss us off enough that you know by that we'll just kill you. So uh, Amuro goes and destroys. Yeah, I think it was like seven Rick Doms in under like four minutes. Yeah. And Conscom is sitting there freaking out. He's like, you destroyed all of our mobile suits? In three minutes. In three, oh, three minutes? He said three minutes. And then, Did I just hear someone say three minutes? And, uh, <laughs> nobody's going to get that reference. That's true. <laughs> you must explain this one day to me. It's a wrestling thing. We'll get back to you on that one later. Yeah. Um, and so Amuro, like, he's like right below Conscom's ship, which is... And he's already run out of beam... Beam rifle ammo at this point. So he takes this, the two sabers out, looks up at the bottom. He's like, of the "There's the weak goes, There's the two weak points. Goes and takes one beam saber, shoves it in there. Goes on over to the side of the ship, shoves it in there, and then flies off. And then you just see the whole ship blow up. Because cool guys don't look at explosions. They fly away from them. <laughs> um, and yeah. uh, now uh, there's an, there's another moment when they're inside six. 
uh, where other than Mirai uh, meeting her fiance, ex fiance, ex fiance, that was a result of a that's Mr. Cameron, yeah. Uh, but during this, uh, after Amuro Ray meets Lala Soon, who is another new type, although a more powerful new type. Um, He's driving, and this is supposed to be... After, oh, yeah. After oh, yeah. Things. And... <laughs> so uh, it's all muddy and... It's all muddy and shit, and he's like... his, his The vehicle that he's in, which looks like a dune buggy... Um, hits a pothole. It hits a muddy pothole. Yep. And and he's just like, oh, damn it, this is what I get for taking the shortcuts, and that's when I made the country road, take the home <laughs> reference. Um, and while he's sitting there, another one comes by, and it's Char, and wow, uh, Lala Soon. There. And he met Lala previously, although yeah. she, you know, after, you know, it was while it was raining, and then they talk a bit about swans and because they die. You, because, because they both witness a swan that's flying over a lake, and then it just, like, randomly just dropped dead, mm. and lands into the, uh, but, but Lala sensed that it was going, <laughs> Lala sensed that it was going to die before it even died. She goes, how sad he was just, what? Looks over, and the swan takes a swan dive <laughs> into the pond. Yes, I've been wanting to make that joke. Uh... <laughs> into the lake and she's like how sad that something that beautiful has to die and he goes yeah it really is sad but the uh, thing that and then, and the then it stops raining and then she just wee, she just goes <laughs> running off into the, the mud it's like what <clears throat> was it just me or was she saying it like three times oh whoa well I think she was thinking about it because like if you if you paid attention and heard that echo that as she was saying it that means that it was she was thinking it before she actually said it out loud so yeah, it was a bit Cause confusing. Whenever, cause, well, because whenever, like, like let's say Amaro, like, when he was looking at that uh, piece of junk that his dad gave him, and he goes, that's a piece of junk. If you listen, you could it hear it. It was, it was in that, it was in that uh, voiceover uh, echo that they did. It wasn't that bad, though. That, oh. Yeah, that's true. But, Lala but the, thought the, that the case, it had, like, four echoes before. But in the case of Lala, when she was saying how sad or whatever it was, you can still hear the echo, but it's a little bit more faint than what Amro's was. Um, but uh, but anyway, so Sharp pulls up next to uh, Amro's car, gets out. He's in full uniform still. Because mm-hmm. we only ever see him out of uniform one time in the entire show. Um, and that was after Garma died. And he was sitting at the bar, and the only thing that, you know, he was wearing the sunglasses to hide his eyes. Um, and uh, yep. Char gets out and goes... Hell yeah, sorry, she's a bit of a new driver. Lala gets out, and Amaro is just sitting there staring. And Amaro's in full uniform, too. And but, goes, but of course, despite the fact that they're in enemy uniforms, they're on side six, neutral territory, no fighting. So, it, But the funny thing is that the thing that you see Shark carrying on his hip, that is a gun. Okay. Um, um, but regardless, you know, they're just sort of like, have I met you before? Yeah, they're like... I, have we met before? And it's like the whole realize, entire time, almost shitting himself. Yeah. The entire time, you really, he, you kind of realize they've never met, met. physically, face to face. They've only fought in their mobile suits. Exactly. So they've never actually seen each other. This was their first time actually meeting each other. That didn't involve mobile suits. Didn't involve fighting. So I do want to know when did the new type become Chuck? Huh? When did the new type become Chuck? Because they know Major, but he knew that was Shaw. He I might mean, have recognized honesty, the voice, I mean, maybe. I mean, I mean, in all honesty, it was probably because, you know, Shar's reputation as the Red Comet. Shar's wearing red. And there was only Had, one were, other... Did they ever, commu- like, hear each other talking in their... No. Okay. So... Now, now granted... Now, yeah, that would... I mean, Shar being like... How do I know this guy? That could be his new type powers, but Shar kind of had the same sort of like gut feeling. Yeah, well, in his case, it was just pure intuition. Yeah, not like uh, Jedi powers. Um, That's a but, uh, Chuck. Now, Chuck. Yeah, the one about the FBI guy, the IT guy. And he got oh, stuff in his brain. Yeah, that. Well, that's not like psychic power so much as that he's got like he's literally got the Matrix that's in the his thing. head. He's not it wasn't psychic. It was more the fact that he walked in front of Shar like Shar instantly. Well, it's more just. Well, he was like, "Is this?" He's like, "This must be Shar." He he, but but he didn't know it for certain until Shar actually introduced himself, and then he's like, "Oh." Now, what's (laughs) funny is there was another pilot during the One Year War for Xeon, who so far, 
unfortunately has not made a anime appearance yet. He's made appearances in the video games like the last two Dynasty Warriors Gundam games and in the mangas. Um, and he was also in the uh, Encounters in Space game for the PlayStation 2. Uh, pilot by the name of Johnny Ryden, where his, he wears red like what Char does, but his is a crimson red. And uh, throughout his career during the One Year War, he was always mistaken for Char. Where everybody could be like, it's Char Asmo, he'd be like, I'm not Char! <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's Char sort of made, uh, made a sort of fashion statement with that thing, and of course being famous slash infamous the way he is. Yeah, so anyway, so Char helps him get out of the mud, and they part ways after that. But it's just one of those moments where it's like, are they actually going to come to blows, sort of <laughs> sort of thing. Are you talking about, like, outside of uh, yeah. the suit? I mean, you know, there's always that sort of worry, like, once you, when one of them at least realizes, I'm here in front of my mortal enemy, he doesn't know who I, realize who I am yet, but, and if he did, would he try to kill me? It's like, it's, like this, that, you know, it's like, fuck neutrality, I'm just going to kill you. It's like the 90s episode of Spider-Man where the Green Goblin t uh, actually decided to follow Spider-Man because he wanted to find out who he actually was. When, when Spider-Man took his mask off, he was like, wait a minute, you mean to tell Because he, he reverts back and forth between Green Goblin and Norman Osborn. I think I remember. He, he's like, wait, he, Norman goes, wait a minute, that's Harry's son, friend Peter. And the entire time, the Green Goblin personality is going, you mean to tell me we've been beaten by a teenager? <laughs> Or um, I'm now thinking of uh, uh, Justice League when Lex Luthor was in the Flash. <laughs> he takes, takes the mask off. He's like, I have no idea who this is. <laughs> so anyway, so they eventually do leave Side Six, um, and uh, they go on to the first big major space battle. You forgot one major key point. What? Uh, the point where we realized Douchebag McGee. Has a feelings and emotion and story plot and smacks. We're, the, we're, we're the, not there yet. No, because we left. Oh, right. He smacks, oh. smacks her. Bam. Well, first, no, first, that's right. We forgot about that that whole so part Slager, of the subplot. That's the most important part. So when they started trying to humanize Slegger a little bit. So there, there's a little bit of character development and humanization for Slegger Law twice. Where, uh, so Mirai's, uh, ex-fiance Cameron Cameron keeps on saying he's, he's like you should you know leave the white base come stay with me here on side six you know my dad will arrange things because his dad's apparently a rich snob uh, or at least highly placed within side six yeah so uh, and she's like when I when I disappeared did you ever bother to come find me he's like well that I was in the middle of moving to side six so I sent people out to find you and she's she goes, like but did you actually bother you didn't do anything yourself <laughs> so that's what upset her and the two of them like start bickering back and forth and then Slager goes on over he's like hey pencil neck takes his glasses off and then punches <laughs> him in the face now mind you this is in zero G it's they're in the dock of and side he, six you know, he pulled it off without getting spun around himself because you know he it's zero G the chain. yeah yeah he caught himself with, uh, on I missed that part. <laughs> well, it, it, you saw his his foot was hooked into it. Okay. Um. So anyway, so uh, yeah, he's he just like you don't talk that way to a lady. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, so he was defending Mirai, but then later on, she's uh. Well, no, it's when Cameron then came back and offered to use a private ship of his own to escort them to the border because you cannot shoot Neo anybody who has the ship. Of, of side six. Of side six. Anything that's side six related, you can't shoot it because there is because of the neutrality. Yeah. You don't want to basically force them to be like, yeah, open fire on us. We're joining the other side now, uh, kind of thing. Essentially. Uh, uh, and Mirai doesn't want anything to do with him. No, because she honestly, I think she could honestly tell that he's not exactly what you want to call man enough. Yeah. My but daddy can do everything for me. Yeah. Exactly. Like no I had people doing it. You know, and she's. Do you mind if the guy whose kid always gets bought the car? It's like, oh, we work for our cars. Daddy bought you that Porsche, didn't he? You bastard. Yeah, basically. Yeah, he's. he's a well, sensor. granted, if I were to, if I had uh, gotten a worked really hard to get a car, even if it was a brand new car of my own, but. Then suddenly this this guy shows up with a brand new Porsche that his dad just bought him. 
yeah, I'd hate his guts. He's <laughs> just like, you didn't earn that. <laughs> um, but, but yeah. Uh, while but, that bickering is going on. But while that bickering is going on, and she's essentially telling him no, Slager goes and slaps her, and he's and he's like, can't you see, you know, that he really wants to be with you, et cetera, et cetera. It's just sort of like, you know, He's doing this. He doesn't have to do this, but he's he's doing it anyway. He's, he's making this offer. Short version. You show up and listen to him. You become more man. Because, you know, Slayer is supposed to be like this manly man type of guy or whatever, you know. Bit of a jerk. Yeah, he does come off as a bit of a jerk, but... A lot of a jerk, really, uh, but... But... The arrogance comes from the fact that he's a really good pilot. Yeah, that's the other problem is the fact that he's also a really good soldier. Mm-hmm. Um... And, uh, so, anyways, alright, so yeah. onward to the, uh, the next battle where... The Battle of Solomon. The Battle of Solomon, which is, uh, the first, the frontline base for Zeon. Under the command of Dozel Zabi. Yes, uh... Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> big, big bad, scarred in the face Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm not gonna lie, like what I told you guys, so I... Because of the casting for the uh, the, uh, the live upcoming, action, the upcoming live action Gundam, if Schwarzenegger was twenty years younger, I would absolutely. I would definitely say Schwarzenegger for the role of Dozel. of Dozel Zabi. At this point, maybe make him uh, Degmar. Maybe. Uh, that's that's something we could talk uh, once in the final after our final binge. We talk like fantasy casting kind of <laughs> kind of stuff. Uh, once we have, once we, especially I, have a better sense of who all the characters that in play that we want to have cast are. But anyway, uh, well, let's do all the one year war stuff. First. Sure, but anyways, <laughs> five so, years of layup, pretty much. <laughs> so, anyways, um, uh, they this this is a huge battle uh, that involves a lot of uh, the Federation's like Federation, third, Federation. third fleet. Yeah, the Federation's third fleet, including the White Base, um, and then there's a lot of the uh, Xeon forces from uh, uh, the base Solomon. Uh, yeah, Solomon, um, which is a big ass asteroid. Yep. Um, so it has many asteroids as missiles <laughs> or meteorite missiles, right? Meteorite missiles, we'll call them that. So meanwhile, so this huge battle is going on. Uh, the Federation has this cloud of um, it's basically. This mirror array. No, 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 no. This big, uh, it, the, the ones that those little ships were shooting the missiles at. Oh. Uh, so, oh, yeah, those. Yeah. So when those missiles exploded, it released this fairy dust looking shit that uh, basically. Pop and smoke! <laughs> basically. But that, it interferes with the beam weapons. That interferes with beam weapons, so that way the beam weapons can't go through, and once uh, Dozel, or oh, no, I'm sorry, not Dozel, uh, damn, you just said his name. I just had a brain fart. <laughs> What? Uh, well, they once they realize, oh hey, our beam weaponry can't penetrate this. He's like, all right, switch the missiles. Yeah, Do- yeah. Dozel literally rec- recognizes that. Um, what? What else? Uh, well, yeah, but then during the battle, the Federation basically reveals this big, big ass mirror array. That's uh, the solar flare system, they call well, it. Yeah, it's it's basically like a whole... For those of you who have seen uh, Stardust Memory, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so what they do, what the Federation does, is they set up all these unfoldable mirrors that are being hidden near the debris of one of the space colonies. Where I think they said Side 4. Uh, yes, it was Side 4, where uh, a lot of the debris from... Uh, this abandoned colony rat. There's meteorites everywhere, and so they're like, "All right, this is perfect hiding spot. Let's unfold this new weapon here, uh, which is just a bunch of mirrors that they angle towards the sun and reflect the sunlight back to Solomon and actually heat it up." But they focus it because it wasn't just a flat. Uh, they didn't just arrange it in a flat plane. They curved it literally so they could amplify the. To basically behold the power of the sun. In short, it's a giant magnifying glass, and Solomon was the ant. Yep, uh, and they started melting their way through uh, they, Solomon's defenses. They 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 damaged a lot. You know, a lot of Xeon mobile suits, ships, soldiers were killed. Uh, Hayato gets injured. During oh yeah, Hayato. This was something that I never really understood myself. Lexio. 
Huh? Flexio? No, the sending the gun tank out in space. Yeah. <laughs> we were commenting on this while we were watching because. So all right, so the gun tank is literally supposed to be a land-based mobile suit. I understand that it has thrusters and shit on it, but don't send it out in space. It has treads, not legs. Right. Um, and um, so during the battle, the treads get damaged, and uh, part of. Uh, Hayato's helmet gets damaged, so he puts the flex seal tape over it. But you see that blood, that little trickle of blood coming well, out. Well, I mean, his face. It's, I mean, it's possible that the chip in his faceplate, you know, like did like hit his hit him in the head, and he was probably knocked around. So it may have been concussion combined with the. But whatever. they gave him two quarts of blood just without the scratch. Well, no, no, but, no. He probably lost a lot of blood because who knows how long he was bleeding for because he did last quite a while after that in the battle before he was like, I need to, you know, before they were like, we need the gun tank to come back because it's too heavily damaged. And they're like, oh, well, if we, you know, with the gun tank taken out of action now, it's our fighting capabilities down by 11%. And so, uh, Fra Bo asked Bright, you know, because of how many injured people there are. She's can like, I, can I go help? <laughs> can I go help? He goes, yes, yeah, sure. Gets them to replace her. She goes out, gets out of the spacesuit, and goes over to where uh, Hayato is being treated. And she goes, what can I do to help? And he, the guy says, I need 11 quarts of AB blood. So That's a lot. <laughs> uh, well, so, granted, some of that may have been for other people besides just Hayato, if it was 11 quarts. I mean, that guy is dead. <laughs> that man's too short to fit 11 quarts. No. <laughs> You call him the Krillin of Gundam. You call him the Krillin of Mobile Suit Gundam because of how short he is. But there's there's another reason uh, the comparison is especially apt because he, even he comments on the fact that he's getting surpassed by everybody, everybody, especially especially Amuro. Kind of like Krillin is always getting surpassed by by the Saiyans in the group. You can't say that now though, because Krillin beat the hell out of Super Saiyan God. I don't think I haven't gotten that far in Super Same. <laughs> but, you know, you, but you still understand my point. He's Dragon Ball Z, Quillen. Yeah. Um, so, uh... But while all this is going on, we get the 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 usual tr- traits that we see in this series. They start humanizing one of the bad guys. In this case, Dozel. Because when the attack starts happening on... Su- when, the, when he realizes that they're actually... They're going to lose. That they're going to lose. He has all the women and children essentially evac'd. <laughs> and, uh... Including his wife and daughter. And, and, and uh, a lot of the soldiers... Alright, so he gets a, a Godzilla-sized mobile armor called the Big Zom. Which has a lot of legs. It has two legs. Big legs. Very big legs. Uh, and when I say this thing's Godzilla-sized, I mean, like... Uh, if this thing were to walk through Tokyo and fire its beam weapon, it would probably cause the exact same amount of damage that you see on all those old-school Godzilla films. And then Godzilla himself would wake up and be like, Bitch, you're in my territory. <laughs> That's another discussion. Could Godzilla's uh, atomic breath penetrate a uh, the, uh, the Big Zom's uh, beam shield? I would say yes. Yes, it's not a beam. Because it's not a beam. That's a that's atomic, pure that's atomic plain. energy being belched this, at it. I just want to see this argument now. Yeah. Um, so, so who's next time side? on Death Battle? Who's going to argue the size of the freaking death beam laser? Yeah, the we, two people always said that the fire is going to be it. We need someone who's going to fight against us. Yep. Um, now, the big zone. Apparently, the cockpit is because of how massive this mobile armor is it requires three pilots mm. at least three people and Dozel's in. just like I, you know later it's just sort of like no I can do it myself well he tells them he was like I don't want you I don't want you to die here I with don't, me don't throw your lives away kind of thing so they leave and you see like two Zaku's that are holding on to like what are essentially ropes with a bunch of Zeon soldiers holding on to them and as they're holding on they're like it's the Gundam and you just see the Gundam the 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 well, gun cannon mm-hmm. and the uh, the G armor not the G armor the G fighter come flying past them and I'm honestly wondering why what made Amuro decide not to shoot them or was he concentrating that heavy on I mean that's the biggest target right there <laughs> and the biggest threat because it's literally wiping out the Federation fleet by itself just that massive 
unibeam. Well, it's not just that. If if you notice, like... And the fact that it's completely impervious to their uh, beam weapons with its magnetic... Shields. If you if you look where the uh, the main beam cannon is on it, there's a bunch of little ones for a more spread out shot. It just can't use them together. Yeah, that's true. It did. We did see it do that multi beam shot kind of thing. But even so, it was just like in that situation. Yeah, there's two Zaku right there, but then there's this thing. So you go for that thing. So once when, so once they finally figure out, oh wait, this thing has a uh, anti beam shield. Uh, Slager's the Slager, one that, Slager like maneuvers the, the. Well, he realizes if we get close, we'll be inside its. We'll be inside its shield. It's <laughs> that Star Trek logic right there. Yeah. So Slager maneuvers the uh, the G fighter to so that the cockpit is essentially in the view of the Gundam's uh, line of sight, and he's he's taking his two index fingers and he's putting them together, and Armor goes. So you're saying that we should uh, combine the uh, the Gundam and the G-Fighter into the G-Armor, so that's what they do. And that's when Slager goes with what you said, you know, let's get closer to it so that way um, you can uh, fire on it at point-blank range. Well, before we get to that point, rewind a little bit. While we're talking about Slager, before that happened, his you know ship got briefly got damaged enough that he had to pull back to get some emergency repairs and... So he could refuel himself. Which we see, hamburger. Yeah. Which we see him eating and the uh, the bottle wa- the the space water that he's drinking that you were impressed they actually yeah. used. Uh, yeah, um, it's just little touches like that, you know. That what you know, I've seen this plenty of times with like clips of people on like the on the International Space Station, etc. That they tend to have their drinks like in little pouches that they can basically just. You know, tear a little bit, put it in their mouth, and just squeeze into it because it's in space. You know? don't, don't want water floating around, shorting everything out. Mm-hmm. Um, pause, I would be the guy in space going, ah! pose, flowing pose. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, but uh, but while but when she realizes that he, that Slugger's pulled back and you know the, you know the ship was damaged, Mirai suddenly goes down goes down to check on him. <laughs> She and it's just I'm just like what? It's she, a flat man. <laughs> I think I think it was a combination of uh, him standing up to her ex and essentially uh, defending her from him, and uh, also just basically being like, "Yo, you're being a bit of a bitch here." <laughs> you know, this guy is literally just trying to help help so out. So I think so. In a, Anyway, she, she had the she had she she suddenly developed some serious feelings for him. Um, and I think you know she found, she started to see what he he was actually like. So, uh, yeah, they're sitting there talking, and before he uh, leaves, because we see him wearing a ring on his index finger, and before he leaves, he has it taken off, and he gives it to her, and goes, "Yeah, this ring is you know it's it's, not, it's, it's, it's cheap. It's a cheap ring. My mom had it, and I've had it since. You know, I don't want it." Anything that happened to it, so could you hold on to it for me until I get back? So you go, and sure. even before that, though, he he was like trying to let her down, just sort of like you know, we're not really, a comp- we're not, we shouldn't really be compatible at all. Yeah, where he's like, listen, you're too good for me. Yeah, that's basically what he said. Um, so, and then you know, even it's like fate was just sort of like, no, kiss. <laughs> <laughs> the ship rocks a little bit; they get pushed into each other. And except, the, except the thing is that she's still wearing her. Helmet. Yeah, and he's he's got his with the visor down. Um, so anyway, so fast forward back to that. Fast so, forward back to the to the battle against the big Zom. So uh, they go, which is literally what it's called. It's not just you know a Zom that is big. It is called the big Zom because <laughs> it really is big. Um, and so he the, the the so Slager flies the G armor between its essentially claws. Between, essentially between its feet. And it grabs on. Gra- no, it doesn't grab hold of it first. First, it launches its tow missiles at it, which actually uh, end up getting buried into the nose of the G armor, where the cockpit is. Mm. And then it grabs a hold of them, and, and that because, sort of and rips it open. Base essentially, and then you see Slager floating off, and then Amuro, while still in the uh, the G armor, actually takes the Gundam's arm, aims it, and then shoots. At the uh, limbs of like where, right where the uh, the yeah the, t- takes the out one of the crotch area. He 
Yeah, well, yeah, words thrusters are is best way to describe it. <laughs> right up the gooch. <laughs> Shoots it, damage, heavily damages it, and the entire time Dole's going, wait, how the hell could anything take the big zom out? And that's when he sees the Gundam pops up, and he's like, he's, he's this just is the Gundam. Like, he just starts freaking out. So he grabs a rifle, goes out into space onto the, um... Uh, uh, pardon the noise in the background, our pet robot suddenly woke up. <laughs> you heard that right. Yeah, he, he's going ballistic. He's like, I want to talk about Gundam as well. <laughs> go to sleep. Um, um, so anyway, so he's yeah, sitting... Yeah, he's literally, like, being defiant to, sort of, to the end. Yeah, literally, like, he's, you know, it's like, I'm going down fighting. I'm taking as many of you with me. <laughs> so he's sitting there shooting at it. Meanwhile, Amuro, because again, because he's, his new type abilities are starting to mat or have manifested at this point, he starts to see the like the hatred, the hatred literally flow out of him, like this big giant shadow demon thing. And he starts going, "What the hell is that?" And while he's looking at, he's not even shooting at the freaking big zom at this point. The big zom explodes on its own. Well, because he'd already basically dealt some. Uh, critical damage with I mean, the with his beam saber. And he did shoot, take his freaking rifle and shove it up the quatch, just explode. Yeah. And then use the beam saber on the on the cockpit area, not before Dozel got out of it. I you know because we were making all the comparisons to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Get I was just like, well, no, I was just sort of like, come on, I'm right here, do it, come on, kill me. We really need to do a mostly abridged. Um, so, uh, that happens. Stay tuned for that, maybe. So, so that happens. The binge cast presents. Yeah, maybe. So. Bored to death, probably, not binge cast, but anyway. Team anyway. Four Star, we need you to, we need you to help on this one. Um, anyway. So anyway, so, Big Zom explodes, Dozel dies. You can you you? And, um, uh, after that. Uh, Mirai's grieving for Slager. Mirai's grieving for Slager. She can't believe that he's dead. Um, and uh, the final episode of our binge was a duel in the Texas. duel in Texas. So there, one of the colonies is the Texas colony, and this was supposed to be like a recreational slash farming colony. agricultural. Yeah, basically. So it literally looks like the state of Texas inside, like Western Texas, you know, stagecoaches and shit. Well, but they explained that it. I, it got damaged or something the, during... The mirrors were damaged, and therefore it's, like, permanently, like, dusk. It's, so. And so, but that affected the that affected the climate within the within the colony, so it became a desert. Um, That's why it looks like western Texas. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, still got buffalo in there, though. <laughs> yeah, still got the livestock in there. I don't know how they're alive still, but they're in there. Uh, like, when well, you just see... Just because the people have all left doesn't mean that the animals... I mean, I guess there's still enough food and water around to sustain them. Probably. I mean, there, I don't know enough I'm, about buffalo uh, physiology to know. I mean, how, it's it's you know what they. It's still getting sunlight, so the plant life is obviously alive. Still, there's still oxygen there. There's still water. But there's a lot, a lot of dust. <laughs> I imagine that it rains every so often, but who knows? So anyway, so well, uh, when did they make the own rain? Because in fact, it's the program the weather. It's probably programmed in to do it whenever. Hmm. Um, but, you know, if the climate's shifted enough, even regular rainfall ain't going to stop it from getting no. the, turning into desert. But So anyway, so uh, we get uh, two new mobile suits in here, one for Makube and then uh, one for Shar. The Galgu, I think, was the Shar's. The Galgu is, okay. is what Shar gets, and... Um, I don't remember the name. Of uh, yeah, I, I think he mentioned it exactly once, and I didn't, and I wasn't paying it, paying attention because, or I didn't jot it down because I was like, I didn't hear that properly. I'm sure they'll mention it again later. <laughs> uh, not really, but I can look it up really quick. But, um, but, but at any rate, <clears throat> it's after the Battle of Solomon. The white base is basically going through the debris field, making sure there aren't any stragglers or looking for survivors, kind of, kind of stuff. And they move into the Texas zone, uh, where they pick up. I guess they pick up Makube's signature. They yeah, they basically pick up Makube, and it was the uh, the Gaian is okay. his uh, mobile suit, and uh, his was it was it's literally like a 
You see more it's like than a that's knight. it. Well, the way, yeah, well, it was a combination of like a knight, but it fights with a fencing style. But it mm. has a shield that can shoot projectiles, and they're not really... It's like a flechette storm more than anything. Essentially, and, uh, it, uh, it basically, it literally tears the Gundam shield apart. To the point to where it's he all... He basically has to cast it aside because it's all wrecked. <laughs> literally all wrecked. He's just like, well, don't need this anymore. Well, so. but, um, but Makuve lays a trap, essentially, for uh, for Gundam. He sends out a bunch of uh, Rick Doms to fight the Gundam and the rest of the G-Pilots. And then once he... Then, you know, it turns out, oh no, this was just a setup so that Makuve could fight the Gundam because... He wants to. He wants to embarrass Char, <laughs> and but he lays traps. He laid some like mines. He caused. A, he was standing on a asteroid that had a bunch of bombs strapped around it. That I think he detonated from his suit. You don't really see it, but when the gunner got close enough, he he took off. And retreated the colony. In, into te- into Texas. And when the gunner got close enough, that's when they detonated. And, uh, he had a bunch more mines and stuff sort of floating around inside Texas when he got Oh, there. yeah. Uh, so, but before he got into te- to the Texas colony, after the asteroid exploded, that's when he started shooting at it. So they get into the Texas colony, and meanwhile, this is when I said the animation for this, for this one got really, mm-hmm. really good. Uh, was when the, it was, you know, you just see, like, the silhouette of the Gundam after it gets into the docking area for the, uh, the colony. And, like, the sunlight is coming in, so all you see is a silhouette, shadow, and a very well-detailed interior for the colony. Mm. Um, it, was, it was very well done. Very well done. And the detail on the explosion, uh, explosions during the battle, especially when, uh, spoiler alert, Makuve fails <laughs> to, show, to embarrass Char. Duh. Um, but when his, when his mobile suit blows up, it was a pretty fancy looking explosion kind of going on there. I liked some of the the way they decided to depict the colors and everything. I, I guess that out. I guess that when they were told that the show was going to be canceled because of the uh, the ratings that it was suffering, and at it's the time, like we're going to show you going all out on the animation. Well, so the show was supposed to be fifty episodes, mm. uh, but because they were nearing because they were being threatened to be canceled, they narrowed it down to forty three instead. 42 in America. Um, yep. Like, uh, I was reading that for the final battle. i got to skip ahead here really quick. Hmm, uh, I like final, knowledge here. <laughs> the, the final battle at, at Ebola Coup, they were going to have more exotic-looking mobile suits uh, on Zeon's end. Well, because that whole idea was scrapped, a lot of those mobile suits got reused for Zeta Gundam. Hmm. So... They still ended up getting used, so a lot of the suits that we'll eventually see in Zeta Gundam were supposed to be in Mobile Suit Gundam. So, a lot of recycled designs. Yeah. Um, Um, But, yeah. um, But, during... But, it's like, during all this, we get a lot more of the new type stuff with Lala sensing... Sensing Amuro approaching... And uh, Amuro senses her... Not to the same extent as her, because you... It's like, it was very clear she was picking him up well before he started noticing her. Like I said, she is actually more power, a more powerful new type than Char and Amuro. Char, so Char is one as well? Char, his, his, kind of, his new type abilities bloom kind of late. Mm. So his bloom kind of like after Amuro's did. Because uh, before that, he was just a very, very skilled pilot. Okay. But at any rate, uh, but when Char realizes that Makuve has brought the fight to Texas, and he's like, "Well, I've got my Gelgu here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go try to take out take out the the Gundam." And Makuve is just like, "No, this is my, I no, have, no, I have, no. This is my fight. I I have planned for this. I have a strategy. You're screw. You were ruining everything. <laughs> Essentially, is what he's saying." So when uh, because Amaro's like, hmm, "I don't have any more beam energy weaponry," pulls out one of the beam savers. Now, mind you, like I said, the way that the, the guy in was designed to fight, if you've played the video game um, Earth uh, Federation vs. Zeon, this is exactly how how it fights in that, is that it's it always stands to its side and moves like a Yeah, fencer. when we saw it bring up its sword for the first time, I was just like, oh, 
guard. <laughs> yeah, it no, was, that's that's Rose Gundam coming out in the G Gundam franchise. Oh yeah, forgot about that one. Yeah, we'll but, get back to that. But one. regardless, um, it doesn't really go well for go well for Makube. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> well, if she only yelled "Stop fighting Suno in his head." This is true. There was a brief moment when, she, essentially, uh, Amuro had scored the fatal blow. Well, his fatal blow was him taking both beam sabers and then hugging the uh, the guy in, and then essentially slicing it with the beam in saber. In half, essentially. Uh, and, and then finally killing off Makube. And mind you, Makube, throughout the anime, even when they were on Earth, has been obsessed with this like very expensive piece of... Uh, a crystal va- it's like a crystal vase that you keep on singing flick it because he likes the sound that it makes. So it looked like a when we saw it in this in this episode it looked like a big ass bong. Because the way he's holding it looks yeah it does look like a bong because of the 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 uh, the, the, the the stem to it essentially. Yeah. So uh, it's like a, it's got like a wide base and then and then a long narrow tube. <laughs> it looked like a space bong. Yeah, I mean he was always calm. <laughs> so anyway, so as the guy is exploding, he says, Get, make sure that, I don't know who the hell he's supposed to be talking to, um, but he's like, make, make sure, sure that, gets, make sure it gets, gets the Lady Castilia, it's a priceless, priceless antique, and then he explodes. And then, bye-bye Makube. Yeah, yes, so, that, that's a true man right there. Take care of my vase! Anybody else wants to be like, fuck! You know, it could have been worse to just sort of tell my wife I love her huge tits. Dead. <laughs> um, um, but, and so that's essentially where we left off with this episode. And, but next episode, it's, uh, it seems we're going to get another reunion between the, the siblings. Um, yeah, that one, because, um, Char, uh, back when they were on, in Jamaro and when they, they ran into each other again, um, He's pleading, essentially pleading with her, please leave the Federation, this is not you. You are not a soldier. You know, you've always been kind, caring, compassionate, etc., etc., etc. Join me and, and we can rule together. And she's, and she's saying, you know, like, you can't be my brother because he would never be like this. So, um, in, this, in the next episode, he gives her a briefcase full of gold, trying to tell her, use this gold to go someplace else. Uh, to get as far away from this battle, the, from this... He literally gives her a briefcase full of Nazi gold. <laughs> the question is, how does she lift it? That's a very good point, actually. Will you that bring me the gold, dolly, please? I need to move my backpack. That gold is not going to be lightweight. It's going to be like that episode of... Actually, uh, space. But remember, if they're in the middle, there's gra- no gravity. If they're outside, of it, there's gravity. It depends on time where you're at in the ship in the dock, like where the mobile suits were at. There's zero G. I think also the same thing goes with the bridge. Yeah, um, the bridge is almost certainly zero G. We see people floating around there all the time. So and how's the, the people on top of the... Oh, wait. Seat? Do you remember when Slager was eating his burger? He took a bite out of it and you saw the crumbs float? You took way too much detail. <laughs> that is true. I didn't really notice it at the time. It's like, my brain you... picked up on it, but I was like, eh. I was but like... I didn't really think about it because that could have just as easily have been like an animation. Uh, I mean, for God's sake, you have moments where the sh- gun of shoe repeal. So, you yeah, know, this is true. Well, that, 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 was a common, that was a common thing with a lot of the cartoons in the 70s and the 80s. Transformers is a prime example of animation <laughs> errors. But this one does have its animation errors, but it's. Not that often. Like I think they were. They I think they caught on yeah. to a lot of them very quickly, and we're just like, oh wait a minute, hold on, uh, that's not right. Um, well, we're starting to get a bit run a bit long here, so let's try to wrap this up. I'm still definitely enjoying it. Looking forward to seeing this final big battle at the Abu whatever Aboa Ku Aboa which is the uh, oh god, I'm started again. Which is the uh, main base for Zeon. Okay, um, but. Uh, so we're coming up on the end game of this uh, of this particular series. There's yes. obviously way more to the franchise, not the actual end game of everything. We, well, so but uh, um, we do have plans to continue later on. But we'll discuss those in our when we wrap this when we wrap up Mobile Suit Gundam with our next with our next binge. As much as I love watches, I can't wait for the damn end because <laughs> you want to get on to. Well, it's not just that. I'm not used to these anime franchises that have. I mean, 
Don't get me wrong, I'm watching One Piece and You're watching you're watching Fairy Tales. Fairy Tales, yeah, three hundred but it's like fifty a binge of sitting going, Oh god. Well okay, so I guess you're thankful that they didn't get the full fifty episodes for this thing. Uh I guess Well and this is the thing, we talked about this off off mic, but I'll mention it here. Later later stuff that we plan on plan on doing we, we may uh, do an intro episode where we do where we cover the first few episodes of a series, but then rather than uh, do ep- you know binge by binge by binge, you know covering the whole series, we may just cover story arcs or like halfway through and then at the en- at the at the end of the series. Just so because we have so much on our plate as it is that rather than try to do a do multiple. Yeah, it depends on how many episodes. Well. Well, this is true. Well, well plus the uh, the side stories for the one year war, like Eighth and his team, War in the Pocket, Thunderbolt, they're short. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and that may end up being one whole, may be just a, a short, shorter series of binges. But that's that's for later. We move the point. We go to yeah. We go to the end. I, I think of this of this uh, of the five episodes we binged. Duel in Texas is probably was probably my favorite. Zeke, what's yours? Which one was yours? I don't really have one in this one. Really? Yeah. I guess maybe because I, I'm getting bogged down. That might be one of the reasons why I'm getting bogged down with so much story driving. We're almost done with this series. Well, no, <laughs> story development. Like, usually I'm like, here's a little bit of story. Here's a lot more action. Here's a little bit of story. Here's a lot more action. Now it's, here's a shitload of information. Here's one Gundam fight. And more information. They, yeah, it's like they did do a lot of info dumps with the world building. Towards and, the end, especially. When they were doing the beginning... I was like, oh yeah, it's so cool, and now it's like... It's mm. it's not like 60s Star Trek where they didn't know where to, uh, how to actually do... Proper this, world this, building. Shows. Yeah, well, like, if you if you pay attention to that, the Federation isn't brought up till season two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at any rate, um, so we're definitely... We've got one more binge left for Mobile Suit Gundam. Uh, we do have plenty of other stuff. Uh, and then after that, 8th MS Team. Eighth MS team is the next is the next in our uh, in the whole damn saga that we will be covering for the binge cast, uh, but that's still one more binge away uh, before we can get to that. So, uh, how many more binges do we have? I want to hear you say it one more time. One more for okay. Mobile Suit Gundam. <laughs> uh, so for Zeke and Chris, I'm Jay, and we will see you next time.